Justin McCaskey's Radio. Uh, I've been lax in bringing you new content that uh, that will be different this week, or at least the earlier part of this week. Uh, I have no good excuses other than the fact that I've been working a whole lot, which is good, I suppose. Doing lots of lots of stuff for Dartmouth, uh, lots of NCAA uh, softball stuff. Uh, I had to learn lacrosse. That was interesting. Learned all the rules. Turns out there's a lot of rules in lacrosse. So I've been spending a lot of time doing that. No excuse, though. No excuses. We're taking it one podcast at a time. Uh, this uh, week, and hopefully there'll be more than one this week, but uh, on this episode, we talked to Derek Ray, who is uh, a fabulous soccer broadcaster. I actually first heard him, I probably heard him a hundred other places before I, I caught wind of him on the uh, Amazon alternate audio for the NFL broadcast. If you watch the Thursday games on Prime, well, we get into that. He, uh, he and Tommy Smith are the UK audio, which I found that, and those of you that know me, Know how much I love, uh, you know, all things uh, UK and particularly all things Scottish. Uh, not a reference to the Saturday Night Live sketch, but uh, <laughs> you know that I was I was hooked immediately. So uh, and Derek does a great job with that and a great job uh, with with all his soccer stuff. And really look forward to seeing him do the Women's World Cup games this summer. So it's a great talk with Derek. It, it lasts about twenty five minutes and uh, won't make you wait any longer. Here it is. All right, well, kind enough to join us on uh, Justin McIsaac Radio. It's a uh, man. If you're if you're into soccer, if you're into uh, f- uh, football, you uh, you probably know this voice. It's Derek Ray, who I tried to list out his jobs and I ran out of ink in my pen. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, Derek works for NBC, for Fox. He's worked for ESPN. And the the first time I heard you, Derek, well, the first time I became aware of you was uh, on the alternate audio, the UK audio for Thursday Night Football on the Amazon Prime broadcast. But uh, Derek, thanks so much for taking a little time today. Absolute pleasure, Justin. Nice to be with you. Great. And uh, I, I guess first of all, how does uh, how does one land a gig doing the alternate audio for the NFL? Because I I thought the uh, the broadcast with you and Tommy Smith uh, were brilliant. I I, I love the uh, perspective you brought to the game. Well, first of all, that's very kind. Um, it sort of came from nowhere. I've been living in the UK for a number of years. Previously, was here in the US in the Boston area, but we went to to the UK to. Um, really enjoy ourselves, uh, my wife and I, uh, working on a few different projects uh, in London. And we decided to come back in the summer of 2017. And no sooner were we back than the phone rang and there was an offer from a former colleague of mine to get involved with Prime Video, with Amazon Prime Video, who were embarking upon Thursday Night Football and had the idea that they wanted to do something different with one of their commentary feeds, that they wanted to, to have a, a UK sound, but not just a UK sound, but a sort of a, um, a soccer sound, if you like, a, a, as it was put to me, more of a Champions League sound, an international sound. Sure. And my work was fairly well known in the US from the time when I was the, the main voice of the UEFA Champions League on ESPN back between around 2003 and 2009. And uh, first of all, I thought, hmm, do I really want to do that? Because I'm, I'm not somebody who, who watches the NFL week in, week out. I have watched it. And when I first moved to the States, I was very keen to watch it. But I'd been a little bit out of touch with it in, in recent years. But I thought, you know what, as a professional broadcaster, these are the challenges that you take on. And I was determined to, to take on new challenges when we moved back to the U.S. And so after a couple of days' reflection and making sure it could work out travel-wise and schedule-wise, I said yes. And uh, so, yeah, very nice of you to say that. We, uh, Tommy Smith and I have had great fun doing it. Tommy, who was my partner on air uh, doing the Champions League in those years that I mentioned. And we've been doing it for two years now. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. I've recommended it to people uh, who, who, who like to check in on it. So I definitely, is that something you'll be doing this coming season? 
Well, it hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, talks, I can tell you, have started, uh, and I would certainly hope that, that we'll get the opportunity to do it for a third year, but it hasn't officially been confirmed by Prime Video as yet. All right, and uh, so... So you've worked uh, all over the world, it seems, uh, and, and you know, just when we were uh, contacting, uh, you know, getting in touch to, for you to come on the podcast, you're like, well, I'm here, I'm there, I'm going to Germany, I'm here, and, and we found five minutes for you to come on. <laughs> but uh, so what, what, what I, I travel around New England, and, and, and when I do UNH football, I travel, you know, sometimes uh, I think the furthest we've gone is Colorado, but, you know, I know it's tough to get your bearings right. Uh, sometimes it just get focused on on living. How tough is it for you, you know, traveling the globe uh, to get uh, get yourself prepared and kind of get yourself uh, centered, so to speak, so you can, you know, do do all this great work and also kind of live your life. I think I'm just pretty well accustomed to it by now. I, I go back quite a long way doing this, and it really started more than ten years ago when I was at ESPN, and we lost the Champions League rights, and then. I was at a bit of a crossroads, to be honest. Uh, obviously, I, I knew I wanted to stay with ESPN, and they seemed very happy to have me stay. But the problem was my bread and butter was gone, which was the Champions League. Mm. And at that time, ESPN started a, a UK venture, a UK channel. And it was put to me, you know, would I be interested in going back to the UK to be one of the commentators on this channel? And it had actually been on my mind to do that. I sort of felt I had a bit of unfinished business working back in the UK market. Uh, but we couldn't quite make it into a, a full-time gig. So the offer was to continue my duties in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, they weren't necessarily every day, but to continue hosting shows and doing occasional matches for ESPN, but to then be flying to the UK, not every week, but, but you know sometimes uh, twice a month, sometimes three times a month uh, to do matches. And that's what we did for a year. So wow. I, I think that was ingrained at that point. You know, the, the following season, we decided this wasn't sustainable over the long haul, and it made sense just to move permanently back to the UK. And so that's what we did. But I've always been a bit of a nomad, and um, <laughs> I, I do enjoy travel. I studied German when I was younger. It was always a bit of an obsession. And so uh, Germany as a country has always fascinated me, and, and I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time there. And uh, so nowadays as a freelance um, broadcaster who, who does travel a lot, what I love is that at the start of each month I can – you know, obviously in consultation with my different clients, work out the, the schedule that suits me. So I can, you know, go to my clients and say, okay, I think I could do that. I think I could do that. Don't think I can do this one. Right. And then we just piece it all together. And, it, you know, it does take a day or so to do all that and then to get the travel arranged. But I think it's just part of me now, to be honest. And I think I would miss it if I, if I were housebound all the time and you know as i say germany is a big part of it traveling across europe is a big part of it and even in the states as well i mean in the last few weeks i've been lucky enough to be in la a couple of times to work games and to go to meetings for fox sports ahead of the women's world cup that i'm covering this summer and to other places as well in the last few months so um so yeah i think the day i stop traveling is the day i stop broadcasting <laughs> <laughs> it is funny how you get into a rhythm of that and then when you when, when there's a pause you know, you kind of look around and go, wait, shouldn't I be getting on a in a car? Should I be getting on a plane? What, what's going on here? What am, what am I doing? It's it's funny how you things when things slow down, you really uh, you really feel it. No, you do, and and I know that's going to hit me around the middle of July because it's been pretty well full on go 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 since January. I did give myself a bit of a break the first couple of weeks in January because that's often a slow time. The Bundesliga that I cover takes some time off over that period, and so that's when I slow down a bit. 
but it's been really busy with, with all the different projects that I'm, um, uh, that I'm involved with. Uh, you know, one of them, for example, is the, uh, has been in recent times uh, NBC on the Premier League as a studio host and occasionally as a commentator on the Premier League. So, so that involves, uh, you know, dovetailing that around my, my Bundesliga commitments and then the Women's World Cup this summer. And uh, when we get to mid-July, I probably will say, OK, time for a break now. And, and then you do realise just how busy you've been. Right. But as you say, after a couple of weeks, it's, OK, <laughs> when are we going back to work again? <laughs> exactly. Right. And also, if your wife is like mine, she's like, don't you have somewhere to be? Can you get out of here, please? So- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can 100% confirm that. So you, you actually, if, if what I'm reading is correct, you started broadcasting at the age of 15 as a professional broadcaster. Is that correct? Well, not quite as a professional. Uh, I suppose I would go even further back than that. As, as a, a fledgling amateur, uh, I first put myself on tape when I was seven. And, um, oh, wow. I, I can prove that because we actually still have the tapes. My father <laughs> still has the tapes back in his, his home in Aberdeen in Scotland. And that was the year when we as a family bought a stereo cassette recorder for the first time. For young people listening, they'll think, what on earth is a stereo cassette recorder? (laughs) But for those of us of a certain age, this was a magical instrument that allowed us to put our voices on tape. And uh, I watched the 1974 World Cup, Soccer World Cup, uh, from our home in Aberdeen, which was in West Germany that year, and that really spawned my my love of of all things German. Um, But uh, I began impersonating the commentators at that age, and then a couple of years later plucked up the courage to take my mini-tape recorder to, to local matches and, and records myself doing the commentary. I, I knew fairly early on it's what I wanted to do. I just didn't think it was realistic that you would get an opportunity to do that. Um, but I worked away at it. And we have this wonderful thing in, in the UK called uh, hospital radio. And again, that's a, a concept which is alien to most people in the right. US, and I suppose with good reason. But um, <laughs> what it is, is it, it's, it's a way of providing a service, a dedicated service to patients in local hospitals um, on the radio. And that often means local sports, because when I was growing up, we didn't have local radio the way that, you know, you have here in in the U.S. We didn't have, uh, you know, local stations covering local sports. So this was a a great thing for people in in hospitals who obviously were at a loose end and and wanted something that that might make them smile. And so I would broadcast the the local Aberdeen games. Now, at that time, Aberdeen were one of the best football clubs, not just in Scotland, but in Europe. Um, They were actually winning European trophies. And the manager was was a guy called Alex Ferguson, uh, became (laughs) Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the most famous managers now in, in the history of the sports based on what he did uh, with Aberdeen and then Manchester United. Um, so I was very lucky to be in, in the right place at the right time, was able to get my, my voice on, on a lot of broadcasts that were all amateur broadcasts, but really stood me in very good stead getting experience at a young age. But um, it wasn't until I was 19 that I uh, was, was paid to do it, and that was with BBC in Scotland who um, got wind of my work. I'd actually sent my work to... The guy, you know, for me, this, is, this, is a, you know, this was a wonderful experience. The guy who was my hero, a guy called David Francie, who was the voice of Scottish football on, on radio in Scotland at that time, I, I wrote to him a couple of times, sending him my tapes, and um, was very surprised when he replied, you know, beautifully handwritten um, oh, wow. letters, which, which I cherish to this day. I mean, I've still got them. And um, just encouraging me and, and saying, you know, if, if you see me at a game, you know, let's chat. and I'm really happy to help you. So... Uh, so he sort of became my mentor, and um, unbeknownst to me, what he actually did was he he, he uh, handed one of my tapes to the bosses at the BBC, and that's really how it got started. Oh, wow. So I made my debut at 19, and, and it kicked on from there. 
At 19, nearly an old man at that point, at 19, it took you that long to catch on with the BBC. But I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you mentioned your love affair with Germany, and anyone that follows you on Twitter know, uh, knows that you really uh, have a great affection for the, the Bundesliga. Now, I consider myself a, like a, a, I would say, a casual soccer fan. I really enjoy, uh, you know, the World Cup, uh, the Euro tournaments, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, the uh, uh, CONCACAF over here, the Women's World Cup, I enjoy a great deal. Uh, and, and 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 one of the things I want to ask you about a little bit later is your work with the FIFA video games. But I'm not really as as hardcore as some do. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch the Premier League. Uh, I don't really have a team I support. Um, Bundesliga is is kind of a a mystery to me. I, I, you know, I'll see the I'll see the German club, the uh, the clubs in the in the Euro, or excuse me, in the Champions League. But uh, what what is it about the uh, the Bundesliga that 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 is that has captured your imagination and affection so much? my own background. I mean, I'd have to concede that, that it's uh, the fact that I was a very enthusiastic German student from a young age, and, and that has always been part of me as well. But there's more than that. And I, what I always say is that once the Bundesliga grabs you, then uh, it has you forever. And uh, while I would uh, again concede that in terms of the standard of play, it, it's not at the moment uh, and probably not likely to be in the near future as high as the Premier League. What I would say is, from the fan experience point of view, it's miles better. Really? Uh, if, I, if I send somebody from the U.S., or, or at least if they ask me, where should I go to watch a game in Europe, you know, blank canvas, I always say, go to Germany first, because the, the, the fan experience is much better there. And a lot of that has to do with the pricing. It, it's much um, more reasonably priced than mm. it is in England. It's less corporate. It's more uh, grassroots. A lot of that, again, has to do with the ownership rules, where it's simply not possible under the present ownership rules for a, an oligarch to come in and buy a club in Germany. Um, it, it's, it's still down to the, the members, as they say there, hmm. the individual club members. And, and anybody can be a club member with voting rights. So uh, that really appeals to me, uh, appeals to, to my own sense of community. And um, I love nothing better than, than going to a game in Germany when I'm not working. And I do that a lot, not just in the top division, but down the divisions as well, and the, the second, third, and fourth tiers. And I just think it's a bit of a bonding experience. And I think that if you really want to get to know a country and really want to get to know Germany, then there's no better way to do it through its football. And it extends to, you know, having a, a Bratwurst while you watch the game. <laughs> uh, you know, German beer. Who does beer better than the Germans? Exactly, you know? yeah. No, no, nobody. Um, so it, it, um, it, it really is that sort of all-encompassing experience. And I think, too, uh, it, it's a, a league that promotes youth better than uh, the Premier League does. I mean, nobody can deny that, that young players get a chance at 16 and 17, and, and very often local players at that. And they get to play, you know, by the time they're 20, they, some of them have played uh, almost 100 games or, or around that number. And that simply doesn't happen in England. Now, of course, the irony is they then often get, get transferred to clubs in the Premier League. But right. I always think that it, it's just such an important football country. You look at what they've done uh, at national team level and, and big clubs like Bayern and like Borussia Dortmund. And um, for me, it's irresistible. So it's one of these things that it's not necessarily the first league that will grab somebody. But I always say once you become a, an international soccer fan, then it, it behooves you to, to turn your attention to Germany and go to a game. It doesn't really matter where it is. And you will be a fan of the Bundesliga for life. Now, you're doing the, uh, uh, the Women's World Cup uh, this summer. Now, is that in, uh, is that in Russia as well? 
Uh, no, that's in France. It's this in year. France. Okay, uh, and so you'll be heading. Are you heading over there, or, is, or will that be in studio works? I know sometimes. No, um, we're, I, I am going to be in France for the entire oh. time for Fox Sports commentating with oh, uh, Danielle Slayton, former U.S. Women's International, and we'll be there from start to finish. Yeah, as, as someone who's uh, who, who's done a lot of college sports and a lot of uh, women's college sports, I. I you know, I feel like the more women's sports you cover, the better appreciation you have for it. Now, in America, uh, you know, it's come a long way, women's sports. Uh, the coverage, the appreciation, I feel like. Uh, but there's still a long way to go. Is is How is the, uh, the attitude towards women's sports, and I guess women's soccer uh, in particular, uh, in other places in the world, is it is it uh, on the rise? Is, is it you know? Does it still have many uh, as many roadblocks as, as as one might think? Uh, how how has how has that evolved? Well, I could probably give you my own experience on this. And, and I came to the U.S. in the '90s um, as someone, you know, who broadcast by then quite a bit of international soccer, but not much women's soccer. And some of the early gigs that I did in the U.S. were, in fact, women's college soccer matches. And it was an eye-opener for me, uh, you know, really how good it was and how enjoyable it was, but just in contrast at that time to what was happening in other countries. Now, there were exceptions, such as the Scandinavian countries and perhaps Germany, where it was taken a bit more seriously, but there weren't that many countries uh, who were, were playing women's soccer at a high level. And, and the U.S., of course, were the trailblazers. Mm. And, you know, it, it was an iconic moment, 1999. I was very fortunate to be there at the Rose Bowl. Oh, wow. When Brandy Chastain scored in that penalty shootout to, to win the Women's World Cup on home soil for the U.S. And, you know, people still remember that. You didn't Absolutely. have to be a soccer fan to, to have been engaged in that back then. Um, now, what's happened between then and now is that other countries have caught up. And they've caught up in terms of, I think, um, you know, women's sports being more part of the the day-to-day experience. Uh, But I think they've also caught up on the pitch. And and this is, you know, a bit of an eye-opener for for U.S. fans who have taken it for granted that the U.S. will always go far. This Women's World Cup, they certainly have the potential to win it again. They're amongst the favorites, but they might not. You know, they, they might find themselves getting knocked out earlier on because I think there are legitimately six, seven, eight countries who could win the Women's World Cup this year. And Mm. that hasn't been the case going into any of the previous editions of the Women's World Cup. You can usually narrow it down to to three or four, you know, at the most, realistically. So that's what's fascinating about this. And, uh, you know, the other part of the story is that it's in France, and the French have really made great strides, and, and they play with a, a wonderful flamboyance, and on home soil they're going to be very difficult to beat. And if the draw goes a certain way, and you never quite know how these games are going to go and how groups are going to right. end up, but if it does go according to what you might say is the form book, then France and the USA are on a collision course in Paris at the quarterfinal stage. Oh, wow. you know, so that could feel a bit like the final before the final. Uh, my experience tells me that in, in these tournaments, uh, it, it, it's never quite what you think. It doesn't, doesn't quite work out the way we expect right. going into a tournament. Um, but I think this is, this is going to be the best Women's World Cup ever staged, and certainly the most competitive, certainly the best for atmosphere at all the games, many of which are already sellouts, and uh, it, it's just going to be fantastic to, to experience this firsthand working for Fox Sports this summer. Now, one of the teams you mentioned uh, that might be might make some noise, and uh, a team that's close by heart is uh, Scotland. Now, my last name is Mick Isaac, but I'm told our ancestors were named Mac Isaac, and we had our name changed by Irish Catholic nuns when the ancestors came over to America. I don't know if that story is true, but it's a great story. But uh, we are of the Mac Isaac clan, so I root for Scotland in all things. Uh, the Scottish uh, women's football team, how, how, are, how are they looking going into this tournament? 
Well, first of all, good man that you're in Scotland's <laughs> court. We, we, we certainly need all the support we can get. That's right. And uh, yeah, I did wonder because uh, MacIsaac is, is certainly a Scottish name, so I had a feeling that you probably had Scottish ancestry somewhere along the line. Um, again, Scotland's sort of very typical of, of a lot of these countries who have come up in the last few years and, and taken women's football more seriously, women's soccer. And, you know, they're certainly there on, on merit. I mean, they qualified uh, in a group that was by no means easy. And they have made wonderful strides in the last few years. They've been helped a lot, I think, by the fact that um, in England, south of the border, the, the league there has, has taken off. And that is arguably now, it's almost at the point now where if you're a, a, a top-level women's soccer player, that's almost where you want to go. I mean, you could play in the U.S. as well. It's a high standard in the U.S. too compared with other leagues. But that's certainly an option now. So, so these Scottish players, the best of them, are testing themselves against some of the best week in, week out, playing mm. for uh, women's teams like Arsenal and Chelsea and Manchester City and Liverpool in England. So, so that has taken them a long way. And I think just the, um, you know, the, the appreciation for it and uh, you know, doors have been opened. I mean, you have to remember that in countries like Scotland, uh, in England, and uh, in, in really any country outside the U.S., we didn't have Title IX. You know, we didn't right. have anything like that that would give um, women's sports a, a kickstart. So, so this catch-up period uh, has been experienced. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's been that these players have had to do it the harder way. They've had to, uh, you know, go to, to a, a far-flung league in order to, to, um, to excel, in order to test themselves on that level. Uh, the U.S. college system has actually helped out quite a bit, too, because they've always been open to, um, to talented players from other countries right. to, to come in on a scholarship basis. And, and, we, and we do see that with Scotland as well. They're in a very difficult group, though, Justin. They're in with England. Uh, that's the first oh. game, by the way. England against Scotland, which is the oldest international game uh, in, in the sport of soccer. But now it, it has a women's dimension, which I think is wonderful. Well, and that is going to be a, a great occasion in Nice the first weekend of the Women's World Cup, England-Scotland. They've got Japan as well, the, oh, the beaten finalists yeah. in the last World Cup. So first two games, England and Japan. And then they've got Argentina after that, who they should beat, but you never quite know. Right. And that might be enough to get Scotland into the knockout stages because 16 of the 24 do get into the knockout stages. So there's a chance for teams who finish third as well, depending probably on how many goals they score against the, the weakest um, side in the group. Well, listen, the only thing better than rooting for Scotland is rooting against England, and you can do both in one game there, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm not supposed to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I'll let you off the hook on that one. But, uh, so I, I did want to ask you quickly, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're doing voice work for, or you have done voice work for the, uh, the FIFA 19 uh, video game, which I'm a, you know, my kids and I are big video gamers. Uh, they, they're, they're into different stuff than I am, but I, I play the FIFA game, so it's, it's going to be great to hear your voice on there. How did you, uh, how did you get into that work? Again, that really came from out of the blue. Uh, I've been back in the U.S. about three or four months, and I got a call from somebody representing EA Sports who said that um, they were very interested in my work. They've been following it for a long time, going back to the days of the Champions League for ESPN. And uh, they had, well, they were about to get the license for the Champions League uh, in FIFA 19, and they felt that my voice would be perfect as the commentator for that property and you know what an honor because you know the game is iconic it's the biggest sports video game in the world and um 
yeah, so, so, we, so we, we put it together, we made it happen. And I think what would surprise people about the game is that it's not just you know, a case of turning up in a studio and, and voicing a few things and going home and then that's it. Uh, it was about 25 days altogether that we, we did on FIFA 19. Oh, wow. And it involves all sorts of things, uh, such as you know, introductions to, to games, just the, the same sort of thing I would do in, in, a, in a, a normal commentary, to, to just names, you know, name after name after right. name of all the top players in the world, but you, with different inflections. Right, you know? and if you, so, have, if you haven't played a FIFA game, there's, a, you know, every single league you can imagine, like the, uh, it's yep. almost like the Turkish second division is in there. It's like, who's playing as that? Well, maybe somebody will play as that, but you, you have to go through all these names, every type of scenario, uh, you know, any type of weather that could happen. I, I was going to say it must take forever, but yeah, and it sounds like it did almost a month. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, yeah, a month, uh, you know. Not, in, not in straight, but yeah. Yeah, it, it was a couple of days here, a couple of days there uh, in different locations. But um, the, the production team are fabulous on that. And, and you know, they give, a, give us terrific guidance, and they've been over this course many times before. But uh, I think, again, what would surprise people is that you know, they say, oh, are you, are you sort of reading a script? And you say, well, not really, because what they do is that they, will, they want it to sound organic. They want it to sound as it would or as close as possible to how it would in an actual game that I'm doing. So what they'll say is, here's the scenario. You know, it's a, a free kick just outside the penalty area. Um, somebody's going to shoot, and it's going to just go narrowly over the top. Just, just commentate on that as you would in a game, but you know, do it five or six times over. Right. And um, so, and that, that's quite, you know, mentally challenging because you know, in, in, normally in a game you just do it, but this time you've sort of got to think about four or five different ways how you might do it. And um, uh, I come out of those uh, sessions, you know, feeling actually quite invigorated because, as I say, it's a mental challenge, it's a vocal challenge, but both in a very good way. And I think it actually makes you sharper as a commentator, just sort of the, the mental dexterity that you've got to go through to do it. And uh, so I had great fun. Lee Dixon, who works for NBC, American viewers will be familiar with Lee. He's my co-commentator on it. We had a lot of very good laughs doing it. And um, so, yeah, one of the best experiences of my broadcasting life, I have to say. And, uh, and yeah, great fun. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Derek, you've, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. Uh, where where can we find you over the coming weeks? Uh, I know you're you're going to be a world traveler. Where should we look for you on the uh, on our TVs? Well, I think predominantly um, at the end of the season, uh, Fox Sports carry the, the Bundesliga in the U.S., so uh, some of the games that I'm doing between now and the end of the season will pop up there. And then I'm working specifically for Fox on the Women's World Cup throughout June and into July. And uh, as I say, Danielle Slayton and I will be doing multiple games there, so that's probably the, the best place. And, and I do hope a lot of people um, you know, who maybe haven't watched uh, women's soccer before will tune into the Women's World Cup because I think it is going to be spectacular. I, yeah, well, yeah, certainly. Well, uh, well, I'll I'll do everything I can to make sure people watch. But thank you so much for your time, and uh, yeah, best of luck in your travels, and uh, and have good broadcast. Thank you very much, Justin. Enjoyed talking to you. All right, that was Derek Ray. Uh, as he said, catch him uh, on the on Fox mostly, and uh, I think the Premier League wraps up this week. So I'm not sure if he's doing studio work this week for them, but uh, tune in anyway. Maybe he's there. Maybe he's not. Uh, but certainly doing a bunch of uh, Bundesliga games for Fox and Women's World Cup. And all over the place, you can follow him on Twitter. He's a, if you're super into soccer, which, as I said, I'm kind of a casual soccer fan, trying to trying to grow that into something bigger. Uh, but if, if Renee will let me have sports on 24-7, that'll probably make it easier. But you can follow Derek on Twitter uh, at, uh, let's see, I think it's Ray Com, R-A-E-C-O-M-M. Let me make sure I have that right. Yeah, I got it right. R-A-E-C-O-M-M. That's how you follow Derek on Twitter. Uh, Ray Com, he's a good follow on Twitter. All right, uh, so tomorrow I'm going to try and have something for you as well. 
Uh, I, I recorded a little rant earlier on this week about just how the news uh, makes you feel bad, but then you feel bad if you don't follow the news as well. So maybe may, the audio was was garbage, though. So I'm gonna maybe redo something, maybe get my thoughts a little more coherent, and bring that to you. Uh, later on in the week. So in the meantime, if you uh, like the podcast, uh, make sure you leave us a rating on iTunes uh, and uh, leave a little comment uh, and make it positive or negative. That's fine. Come at me, bro. Give me your worst. That's fine. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. I ain't got no cigarettes, but two hours of good shit.